What's up, everybody? This is Jeff. Jeff Needs Sports. This is uh, the first show of season four of Jeff Needs Sports, formerly of the Tuesday Aftermath. So first and foremost, thanks everybody who's listened, downloaded, liked all the participation along the way. It's been a it's been a good ride. I can't believe I'm going into my fourth you know broadcasting season already, but. Uh, it's it's been exciting. I got a couple, you know, great guys with me tonight. What we're doing is uh, I'm releasing my first. I'm calling the week zero preseason. However, you want to look at it, college football playoff rankings. Now, you guys know I do this. If you've listened before, if not, I'm going to walk you through it. Uh, be patient. I promise. There's method to the madness. So, but with first and foremost, I introduce my guest with me today. I got Walker Bailey from Off the Ball Network. Walker, how are you this evening? I'm good, man. I'm really excited to get talking football again. It's kind of hey, crazy. Thanks. Thanks for coming time. on and uh, for the first time on the show too, man. It's awesome. I know I'm excited. I've been, you know, I've with as much as we talk about it, kind of on our own. It's nice to get on and actually do some of this. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And then, of course, my man, fellow vice president of the network, Mo from Mo from Up in Flames. Mo, what's up, man? What's going on, Jeff? I've been looking forward to this all day. Uh, it's been too long. You went ghost on us this summer, like I did. I you know, did. I, you took your break. You 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 I, you, uh, you got a new passion in disc golf now. So you're I, like a disc golf true. goat. That's so true. You know, you took your time to yourself because you know over these next what four or five months, you're just gonna be on your screen every day. So you took a break that you needed to take. I, I did. I, I had a lot going on. I I hit them. I hit a mental wall. Uh, first and foremost, though, I want to you know talk. You know, shout out to a couple of guys I worked with all summer. Like even though I wasn't doing shows, I was working a lot. Uh, Stuart Brooking, we did a lot of work with the the quarterback rankings. I did a lot of shows with Jay Stevens from Locked On Buckeyes. So that that kept me busy, kept me up to speed, but. Mainly, I was just re- really just taking a step back and focusing on disc golf and then it concentrating on the upcoming football season. And I'm kind of glad I did. I'm, I'm energized. I'm ready to go. This is game week. I'm so excited. And um, so and, and here we go. So what I'm going to do first, I'm going to give my criteria for my rankings that I do every year. Again, this isn't this isn't my top teams. This isn't how I think if they played on Saturday, who would win, who would lose any of that. This is kind of like Walker said it best. This isn't really my rankings, more my projections of how I think the season will go at this point. And uh, I base I base things on a few things. So like overall team quality, of course, like you got to have a good team. Um, you know, look at what you did last year. I do look at the you know the top you know twenty five rankings, and I read into the teams, listen to all, you know all the talking heads. Except for um, a, a couple of them that are just just out, just out of pocket right now, uh, but, so you gotta have a good team. I look at quarterback. I mean, you're, you're not gonna win without a good quarterback. Georgia kind of surprised everybody last year with Bennett. He, I think, he, we would say, kind of was a surprise, but it worked out. But it, overall, you gotta have a pretty good quarterback, you know, to lead your team. It's just you gotta have a dude that's like can handle the pressure. You're gonna every one of these teams is gonna be in a big game that they gotta, you know, they gotta gut out or whatever. So QB is a big part of it. You, I, I like for I like to look at the jump start game because that's how the rankings go. So that means an early season game, a you know, more of a big name or a really good team, but typically it's a big name because nobody really knows how the season's going to go. So if you can get out early, get a big win over one of these blue blood programs, you know, it sets you up, you know, for a, for a ride. Uh, I, but the other side of that is I call it, I, I like you to have a paper schedule. College football is still about going undefeated, still about piling up wins. So the least difficult games that test you and beat you down, 
throughout the season, the better. I hate to say that, but that's the truth. When I look at these schedules, the easier, the better as far as if you want to get to the playoffs. So it's kind of odd. And then I like to have what you call towards the end of the season, like a redemption game. Uh, it's nice if you have a game late. If you, Most of these teams are going to drop a game somewhere. It could be an upset. It could be a tough one, whatever. It's nice towards the end of the year if you play – you know, a big name or a highly ranked team, and you're able to make that up, much like Michigan did last year when they beat Ohio State to get in the playoffs, or Alabama did, you know, when they beat Georgia in SEC championship game. You know, so it's nice to have that redemption game for everybody's everybody's got their eye on you. You got one loss and they're like, we'll see how they do this weekend. You you know, you've got some you've got some ground to make up. So that's how I do this. So when you see the list, it is how I I combine all these things and how I see the season going you know, as it goes. And I will try to do these every week or every couple of weeks to keep everybody up to date. But without further ado, I've talked enough. You've heard me. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna put the graphic up there. Uh, Mo, this is the first time you've seen him. Walker accidentally got a sneak peek. Not him accident, my accident. But regardless, that was only a few eyes. minutes. I closed my eyes. I didn't see That him. was only a few minutes ago. So this, nobody's seen this list earlier than like 15 minutes ago. And then you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of go through the guys and they'll bounce their questions off of me, tell me what an idiot I am, and then we'll, we'll discuss a few bigger topics on college football. So without further ado, here is the Week Zero Jeff Neat Sports College Football Rankings. And there it is. At, <laughs> at eight, I've got Oklahoma State Cowboys. At seven, I've got Texas A&M Aggies. At six, I've got the Michigan Wolverines. At five, I've got Utah Utes. At four, which makes them a playoff team in my eyes, I've got the Clemson Tigers. They're back, I guess. At three, I've got the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yes, I know. At three. At two, I've got the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, that's that's where they le- le- legitimately wound up in my eyes. And at one, I've got the Georgia Bulldogs. Um, that is how I see the college football projections when the season wraps up. So, all right, guys. I, I will field your questions now, and I will try to – I will try to – Take it easy on me until I could until I could uh, uh, explain myself, and then you can tear me apart. I'm not too mad. I mean, I'm not too mad about them. I mean, I, now you have in Georgia number one. I assume Georgia wins the SEC. And yes, either number one. Georgia's number one because I feel that their schedule they they just have less um, pitfalls, and they're going to get that. You know, obviously, I've got them, and I should say this too. When I go through the schedules, I pick these games. I don't stay impartial. Um, I see Georgia, Oregon, and I pick Georgia. That is going to launch them early in the season because at that point, you know, Oregon's going to have a lot of hope. They're going to have a chance to win the pack, you know, pack ten or pack twelve, whatever's left now. And um, so, I think that that's going to catapult them the rest of the season, and they have a few less hurdles than a team like Bama does, um, even though probably right now I think Bama's a better team. So that's kind of how Georgia wound up at number one. So, Jeff, would you say that the only pitfall on Georgia's schedule that you saw is potentially that road game at Kentucky or and then maybe Oregon? Like, I'm just – I look at the 17-and-a-half-point line, and so that's why I'm kind of like that, – That's what I'm saying. It's like yeah. when, when I looked at their schedule, I'm like, they just don't have a lot a lot of uh, stumbling blocks in there. Kentucky will be a good team, but that's going to play in their favor. That's That's the perfect team to have on the schedule. They're going to be – you know, they're going to be maybe in the teens at that point, and then – George is going to get credit for, you know, in my opinion, whooping 
a team that everybody thinks is pretty good in Kentucky and Kentucky's a fighter. Um, you know, they're a much better program than they were say five years ago. And th- those are the perfect games you want through the season. And um, th- that was basically it. Now Georgia does end the season a little soft. They just don't have a lot of big names at the, you know, at the tail end, but they will get the sec championship game, which is, I mean, if it's not Alabama, it's going to be a really, 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 really good team. And so, and I do think George is good, by the way, too. I think their their defense is going to be good again. Bennett's coming back. Um, after what I saw through the playoffs and stuff, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. So I just think everything combined uh, allows Georgia. I think they're just going to have one more win than Alabama in the late in the season. Was the so how how tough was the Clemson Utah debate for four? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Okay, so it was it was good. So I think Utah's a, a very good team. Clemson's got the advantage of being Clemson. That's just the facts. And honestly, like Clemson, I know everybody buried them last year. They didn't have, they weren't as horrible as people. Like they had a terrible season and yet they, you know, they won most of their games. They were, their defense was pretty good towards the end. I know they lost their defensive coordinator. I don't factor in losing your coaches the first season gone. As you can see, I got Oklahoma State in there too. I don't I don't go crazy over that because I think there's a system in place. I think that's just college coaching. Like you you kind of just cycle through things. I think it takes a few years before your coaching really shows up like negative coaching. Um and uh I just think Clemson's got the edge. The ACC schedule's not super tough. And then Clemson late gets to play Notre Dame, which is gonna be huge. Uh it since Cincinnati proved it last year. If you beat Notre Dame, you get all kinds of credit for it, you get all kinds of love for it. And I'm assuming that DJ is going to be on track and he's going to be the quarterback that we thought he you know, was going to be coming out of high school. And if that's the case, I, they just don't have a lot of losses on their schedule. I, um, you know, Clemson and Clemson's got like Sweeney has proved like he can get to the playoffs. You know, he, he started off so rough last year. If he doesn't play Georgia week one last year, I mean, they're fighting for the playoffs last year. No matter how bad they look some games, they, they really would have been fighting for the playoffs. So, uh, Utah, basically what it came down to with them, they got a, they got a lot of good players coming back. Um, I'm trusting that they are the team that they were late in the season when they were beating up on Oregon twice and um, should have beat Ohio State or could – we'll say could have beat. I shouldn't say should have beat, but really gave it to Ohio State, who everybody you know considers a pretty good team. And in the Pac-12, they got a they got a pretty solid schedule, but they got a, they got a few more hiccups on there. So you know, I just I just think that Clemson's going to solidify themselves at four, but I I think people are going to be scared to move them above either of the the really good SEC teams. They're just going to be kind of stuck there at four, sort of penalized for last year. If two years ago, I think they would have been at two. You know, they might be flip flop with Ohio State. I've got one last question, and then I'll turn it to Mo. So I know you mentioned that assistant coaches leaving in year one don't – that doesn't bother you a lot. But did the combination of that and then also the indecisiveness on being able to pick a quarterback at Michigan, did that – did you consider leaving them out just with all of that just kind of factor? I actually I actually talked myself. I had Michigan originally at eight, and I thought, man, that's a solid place for them. And then the more I looked at it, I'm like – I'm like, man, they were pretty good. I I like um, uh, McCarthy a lot. I think that's the quarterback. I, I he was the guy that last year I was like, man, this kid is you know is really really got it going on. And when I really looked at him, like they just 
they don't really have a loss on their schedule until Ohio State. So they're going to have so much time to – like they've got four weeks to just work on their basically – scrimmaging so they should be at full steam going in these games and then they've got that perfect schedule to where when they beat Penn State it's going to look great uh, Michigan State that's going to look like a that's going to be a solid victory but that none of these teams are coming you know coming at their throat I so I just I predict them going in you know to the uh, high state game undefeated honestly so it's hard for me to drop them down very much when you know just like last year they're going to have a shot to get to the playoffs with a with a win in Columbus um, and, and I don't know, they, they had a pretty solid defense last year. I just, I had to kind of talk myself into it. It was, it was, most of this is based on schedule. If they were playing, you know, any of the good sec teams early or something like that, I probably wouldn't have, but I just, they, they just don't have a lot of stumbling blocks until they really get momentum going next year, this year. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Really, the only chance before Ohio State where you even kind of <laughs> hesitate is on the road at Kinnick uh, in early October, and that's really yep. it. And Michigan's still going to be a, a favorite in that game. They'll so. be a favorite, and they'll get a ton of credit for that game. Yeah. Like they, you know, again, I'm pick. That means I'm picking them to win. I, I go. I don't. I don't wait and see. I'm like. I'm like. Duh, I think they're going to win that game, and so it's just they're, they're just they're just going to they're just going to pile up wins, and they're coming off a playoff season, so they're going to get credit for that. You know, and uh, they and they they are a legit good team. They got a lot of things going for them right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't really like. There's not really. I don't disagree with the list. I mean, I don't know. I probably would have Bama one and Georgia three. I'd go like the consensus. I, I fought back and forth on that, and it, I again, it came down to schedule. I I think that I think that uh, I, I know it sounds crazy, but like an Arkansas and A and M or somebody could could trip up. You know Alabama. I don't think if they played this weekend, I think Alabama beats Georgia if they played Saturday, but they don't. And you know th- that LSU game could be weird. I think there's just a few more tests. So essentially, I'm picking Alabama to lose a game is what I did here, and I, I, I it took me a while to stick with it. Believe me, it was killing me. Because Those were weird. Those they got the, they might have the best player in the country, but on each side of the ball, like that's how yeah. good they are. Um, but Those I just were weird games for Bama last year too. Like you mentioned, it, A&M, A&M beat them. Yep. They mentioned an LSU who was god-awful and sh- could have beat Alabama. It's one of those, like, yeah, okay, they shouldn't have, but they could have beat Alabama. I mean, they took Alabama, what, all the way down to the wire. That was probably, what, the only one hiccup on Bryce Young's resume last year. That was probably his worst game he played. That was the worst game Bama played, I think, all year last year. Yeah. Uh, was against LSU. That was just a horrible game, to be honest. Like, it was supposed to be a blowout. Like I said, A&M won. I think Arkansas had what didn't Arkansas stick around with Bama for a little bit? Oh yeah, and then it, yeah, they they hung around Bama. So like those three teams having to turn around and play them again, where you're like A and M upset them. A and M's better this year. A and M has a lot of talent. My only question, not question, but my only statement on A and M is when is good not good enough? Like how how long do they get before good isn't good enough? This year. This year, maybe it's all the pressure on like, are you looking at Jimbo and like, okay, it's time to produce. We've been talking about you've had a top five recruiting class for the past three years. You know, some of these guys that you got are juniors. You know, you got a a nice group of income freshmen. You know, you had a nice group of freshmen last year. They're sophomores. So like you have an age team where like, okay, they've been good. But at some point, like good isn't good enough when you're buying. I mean, if we think Texas A&M is a top eight team. Anything less than that is essentially not good enough. And like 
it, big programs like this, like where you have all this hope, you have all this expectation. I'm sure there's some people around AM that think they could be a playoff team. So if they don't like come close, they're not right on the outside looking in. Like does Jimbo enter next year with the re- projected recruiting class he has right now? And like, is he on the hot seat? Because you know, I, I have a feeling that there's some people that's waiting on Ryan Day to get over the hump and basically win the national championship. Like being great isn't great enough for Ohio State. Like you got to deliver a championship because pretty much everybody does or everybody has. Especially people my age, like Trestle gave us a championship. Urban Meyer gave us a championship. So it's like, okay, you're getting there and you're getting blown out. Like, when are you going to get over the hump? Yes, Ryan Day is safe, even if we didn't win the national championship this year. But I'm just saying, like, I could see, like, let's say Ohio State coughs up a game and then loses in the first round of the playoffs. Like, he's not on the hot seat, but the temperature rises a little bit on his seat. People are going to start looking at Ryan Day a little bit. Like, all right, when, when are you going to get us over the hump? Just being a playoff team isn't good enough. Like, that's the expectation every year is to get to the playoffs. When are we going to win the big one? So, I, I was just I, wondering with Texas A&M, when is, is well, it this I, good's not good enough? It feels like the difference at A&M and Walker knows, you know, knows more about, you know, that conference than I do. It feels like do they have as many choices if they get rid of Jimbo? I mean, things are going pretty good under him. I don't. I think he's got a much longer leash than Ohio State to where it's just a program that has a more of a history of like we can probably go steal a guy like you know they could probably steal Marcus Freeman or Fickle you know somebody like that as to where A and M you know they they might not they might not be quite as at, at quite at that level I know all the money's there and all those things but I don't know if they can just go get any replacement they want in the country. And letting yeah. let, out they have a terrible season, we're having a different conversation. But if it's another one of these, like, man, you, a couple games here and there, and you, you would have done it, I, I think he's pretty safe, especially with the talent he's bringing in. My goodness. And if yeah. you think about it, real quick, Walker, my bad. If you think about it, when it comes to SEC teams, I think there's a few coaches in the SEC that have had jobs a lot longer than they would at other programs. Because Alabama has ran that conference. So not being able to jump over the hump of like Alabama isn't like a it's not a fireable offense in right. the SEC anymore. Like that's not an expectation. It's like if we can upset Bama, if we can play them close, if we can't make it to the playoffs because we can't get past Alabama, like that's okay. But like, you know, at Ohio State, like you're expected to be the best team in your conference. Like at Clemson, you're expected to be the best team in your conference every year. And even with Georgia, like Kirby Smart got that 10-year deal. Does he get that 10-year deal if they don't win the national championship? Like, if they lose to Bama in the SEC championship and then turn around and lose to Bama, like, are they giving him that 10-year deal? Not saying they're looking at firing him, but I'm just saying, like, Georgia shows they're a viable team. They've been in the national championship, what, twice now? Won one, lost one. They've been, they're the best team on their side of the SEC, but Kirby Smart winning that obviously got him that 10-year extension, but I think it was one of those, like, last year when Georgia played Bama, like, I think a lot of Georgia fans we're looking at like how do we look in this game? Can we win the national championship? Oh, yeah. Because if not, like we're not having a he's on the hot seat, he's on the burner. But at the same time, like is Kirby Smart good enough? Do we want him here the next ten years? Because if Saban's gonna be here for eight to ten years and Kirby Smart's here and he can't ever beat Saban, then really is there elsewhere that we'd like to look? So I just think like a guy like you do have a longer lease. Well, I mean, we just saw LSU do this. LSU had the greatest team in college football history, what, three years ago? Yeah, and he gets fired. Now, and I know there's a lot of stuff behind it. But uh, well, still. yeah, but I'm still saying it wasn't like – I mean, if you do that at Iowa, like that guy's, you know, 
<laughs> you won a national championship at most schools. That guy's got a long lead. You're dying at Iowa. At that it, they immediately saw the writing on the wall. Like, that was great, but we got to move on. I tell you what, the SEC is good this year, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, even the teams that, um, you know, haven't been ranked. For, like, Ole Miss, you know, obviously, starting last year, I mean, they can beat, you know, with that, you got an offense. Like, you can beat teams, uh, you know, quality team. They can beat anybody. Uh, Tennessee, off that offense can scare somebody. I mean, these are teams now that, like, I just – I don't think – I don't. They were never like walkovers, but I think the perception was that that all you heard, especially up north, SEC's top heavy. SEC's top. I don't think it is. I mean, you got Arkansas. You don't want to play Tennessee. You're not signing up to play. Old Miss is a really good team. Um, you know, there for a while, Mississippi State was you know much better. You know, years ago, but still, well, like, like now, like it's decent. year three of Mike Leach, and they have a third year quarterback who's considered by some to be a prospect yeah you know i know Stu. like i know Stu is really high on will rogers so like that this should be a year where they produce like yeah go down the list in the sec west i mean like who are you like who are you saying is going to be bad exactly and auburn is really your best case even then like and auburn's a yeah auburn could they've got talent i mean like every team that i think that's the difference they're just not a i just think it's a deep conference you know it's always deep but i think this year like i especially that's what that's basically where i'm at with alabama i'm like man i just think that there's going to be an upset and it won't matter in the end alabama's going to get their shot they're a great team but i just think that there's a you know it just we saw it we saw it with tua a few years ago you know he he sprained he sprains his ankle cost alabama a shot at the playoffs they were definitely going to go to the playoffs that year uh them you know them and lsu it didn't work out that way because of injury but it's, I think it's a situation like that. And a lot of teams are like that. Ohio State's the same way. I don't think they can – they can't survive without C.J. Stroud. But um, – They're you know, better suited to. I, I think they're a little better position, you know, with schedule and everything. So well, – And that's kind of why now, like now that you've talked about the Georgia-Alabama thing, I can kind of get behind it because, the like, the SEC West, where Alabama's going to have to play all their game or most of their games, like – there's like four teams there that could just be solid nine win teams. And when you have to go on the road and play yep. those teams over and over and over again, like I'm not saying Alabama is going to lose one of those games, but I am saying one of those games is going to be incredibly close and it's going yes. to come down to the, to the final whistle. And it, with Georgia, you're just likely to probably avoid that for the entire course of the season. That's the difference. From a, Attrition. From a projection standpoint and a variant standpoint, you just with Georgia, you don't have to deal with that. Yeah, and I, and that's that's my that's the whole difference right there between the yeah. two as far Makes as that complete goes. Makes total sense. So who are the nine and t- nine through eleven or whoever you just left out? So, and why is it BYU? <laughs> I should have had BYU higher. Honestly, I'm I'm behind. I'm I'm behind the the eight ball and BYU. I I had them up there, but nothing like in contention. So I, I went with Oklahoma State at eight. Just be, I it boils down to this: I think they're going to beat Oklahoma. So I had got I got Oklahoma down at twelve, just because I yeah. think they're going to lose Bedlam. Um, I had Notre Dame at ten because I do think they're a really good team. I don't see any way Notre Dame can not lose two games on their schedule. They got a really tough schedule. They can be a really good team. I just don't. I just don't see it in the schedule for them to make it. So, but Before, I put them at ten. Yeah, and before you move off Notre Dame, mm-hmm. I think this year is enough, right, to put to bed the narrative that they don't play anybody. 
Great, good like, schedule. Great. Schedule. No, it's a it's a really good schedule this year. Like, I mean, you go to North Carolina, to BYU, to Ohio State. You play Stanford, Clemson, and you go to USC. Like, yeah. that's a tough schedule. Well, that that partial ACC schedule has helped them too because they always they got the Clemson game on there and they got the North Carolina game on there because because I think that's helped them in the you know as far as you know as far as avoiding the conference championship game, having the ACC partial schedule has really helped. But they got a tough. I just. There's just I see just losses on there. It's not it's nothing yeah. they did wrong. I think if there's probably Notre Dame schedules in the past that you know I got them in the playoffs. Plus, without that conference championship game, I talked about a little bit in the chat room. I think those really matter now because I just think we're at the point to where all the voters are like, you know, everybody wants an expanded playoff. So the last thing we can do is not even make a team play a conference championship game. I think they're going to hold that against teams more than ever because you can't say we only have a four-team playoff and you don't even have to play a conference championship game. I just think that's too much to ask um, yeah. of, of the college football voters. So I think they're I think they're going to wait these conference championship games. And let's face it, going forward in the future, they're trying to force all these teams into these these uh, conference well, deals if, and stuff. So what they they definitely don't want to reward Notre Dame for not being right. in a conference. Well, and not to, yeah, and not to go too far down the conspiracy theory thing. But if you're a Big Ten athletic director who is fighting to get Notre Dame in the conference, yeah. and you're sitting on the committee, why would you put Notre Dame? Why in? would you put no? No, that, no, that's real stuff. That is absolute. There's yeah. all kinds of agendas in college football. Heck yeah. yes. 100%. So I, I do think your rankings. There, I. I, I would say there could be what what's the shakeup, right? So Alabama's projected. Obviously, you got Georgia, but Alabama's projected to be like it's Alabama, and then take a couple steps down, it's Ohio State, and then mm-hmm. take a couple steps down is Georgia, and then it's everybody else. Oh, I don't think we're taking steps down from Alabama to Ohio State. Yeah, I don't either. I think I'm saying I think some people are like I've heard some people oh, say no, like no, I think I think between Alabama and Ohio State, I don't think so. But I know some people think that. So just for saying, I'll let that, you know. I'll let you know Saturday at about midnight. Uh, as of actually, right now, I, I don't know. Jeff. I actually think if Jeff wanted to be really accurate, he would have hit the but the enter button after Alabama and just left a a, a gap in between three and then the rest <laughs> of the. That's why I keep hearing. But what if like how shaky does it? Because it, it it would get shaky. I think Utah could run the table. Like I, I, I I'm not too. saying they will, but I, I think so. they could. If Clemson and Utah run the table, win the conference championship, let's say Ohio State runs the table like projected, wins the conference championship, Georgia and Alabama play each other undefeated. They play each other undefeated. One loses in a close game. Are they automatically out because you got through? But do you think that that's in in our – Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you think like you leave a brand like Georgia or Alabama when everybody knows they want to see that? Oh, I think they absolutely would. I don't – If we're making conference championships matter, like Jeff said, though, for the sake of – like for the sake of agendas, then I think that that would be the perfect opportunity to stick it to someone and say, hey, this team won their conference and won 12 games. Here's your reward. I think they make it matter for who they want it to matter for, and it doesn't matter for – certain. I I think they do buy into the brand like – do people? We'll just hypothetically. Yeah, I loses to Georgia. Do do are the, is the money going to be where Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, and Utah are in the playoffs? Like that, they, they're going to think about that. Like it is going to be like, oh, we know the ratings would go crazier if Georgia's one, Ohio State, and Alabama are two and three, and Utah or Clemson's four. Like I, I think that would play a factor, even if they had to put Alabama at four and make them play turn around and play Georgia again. I, I think money would play a, a factor in not make like it won't make championships. But- because Alabama's on yeah, that side, I think you, you got to give credit to like. I, yeah. I'm gonna 
Georgia and Alabama have earned their credit. Like I know everybody says it's biased, and I know this came into play last year, but what what more could these two teams do? You know what I mean? Over the last decade. To, to earn the benefit of the doubt. I'd have no problem giving them the, they, you know, high state's got the benefit of the doubt. Clemson gets yeah. the benefit of the doubt. Uh, well, that's one, where I was going is with the hypothetical situation where, you know, let's say Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game. If we're talking about money and branding and if you're making the decision in the, in the committee room is the branding difference between Clemson and Georgia so much that you're going to screw Clemson to that standpoint. But you screw Utah. I think Utah could be the team that, they but leave that, out Pac-12 and, and all that. Well, but that's but that's also – I mean, that conference is pretty much three teams competing yeah. against each other. So, like, that's not – it's not Utah's fault that the other teams stink, but they do stink. It is and, like, now. I give Utah credit for going and playing Florida on the road to open the season. Like, that's a cross-country Power 5 game. That's a, a really huge – Huge jump, jump start game for yeah. Utah if they can pull that off. And so, like, I get it, but by the same token, like, if you get down to where you're deciding between Clemson and Utah and it becomes a branding thing, then Clemson will win out. Yeah. And quite honestly, because of how those conferences shake out, most of their metrics from a strength of record, strength of schedule, they're probably all going to be pretty similar. Like, they're probably just going to basically be the same, and they'll just be like, all right, Clemson's going to get way better ratings, and so Clemson will go in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying, I mean, if because I do think Utah could run the table and I'm just saying that is a possibility that you see, like if Ohio State, Clemson and Utah run the table, Georgia and Alabama are undefeated playing. If they're undefeated playing each other in the conference championship, like I I just think that's a conversation where it does get controversial. And the, the, we know the committee, there's not consistency like. They play it by ear. They give the teams get benefit of the doubt. I don't think there's consistent. It is consistency with the favoritism, like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson. We all feel like they've earned the benefit of the doubt. They've been the teams in the playoff the most consistent, so they're gonna get that benefit of the doubt. But it's like when you enter Utah, and I mean, man, that was one of the, I know last year doesn't matter, but just saying, like the last we seen in Utah, they played in one of the best bowl games of the year last year, let alone one of the best Rose Bowls we've watched. In, in some years, probably since, obviously, like when the Rose Bowl was the national championship. But I'm just saying, like, they, they put on a show. They put up a lot of points. I know there were a lot of guys not playing on both sides of the ball or on both teams on both sides of the ball. But still, like, I'm just saying, like, even does does Utah get penalized for the simple fact we're not going to let the Pac-12 matter for this because they're not about to matter in, two, in a year or two. I don't think so. I don't all think you can so. Do, all you can do if you're Utah is, A, I think Kyle Whittingham really hopes DJ Uangolale doesn't take the next step, so that way he doesn't have to worry yeah. about that. And then you just you can't lose. Go win your games. If you go 12-0 and 0 and you win your conference They're championship, and we get to that hypothetical scenario and you don't get in, we'll yell about it then. But all you can do right now is go yeah, a, a, An undefeated Pac-12 team's getting in. I think so. They, they, they really are. And they're good. Like I, I think yeah. they should. So, so you can't, you can't let an undefeated, what is it, AAC team in last year and not let an yeah. undefeated Pac-12 well, team. Well, what'll like, really make me mad is when they go in and play in Ohio State or Alabama and they predictably lose, and then we bash the conference as a whole, even though that Utah team will deserve every single bit of what they got. Like I mean, yeah, they will because I mean they'll have, that would mean. You beat USC, you beat Oregon on the road, and you beat Florida on the road, as well as beating one of I think I think you would have to beat either Oregon or USC again in the conference championship game at a neutral site, and then it'd be yeah. like, oh no, they're frauds. Like let's just they might have to go back to back Oregon again. 
Yeah, and I think the first Oregon game is at Autzen. I know that one of the yeah. USCR Oregon games is away from home, um, and I think it's the Oregon game. So, like, that's a – you talk about a really hard place to win. Like, that's – And I um, had USC I, I, on, on this list. Now, I didn't I didn't sift out anything under eight. These, this was just kind of my, my initial knee-jerk. So, you know, don't hold me to these. But, I mean, I had USC on my initial when I started sifting them out. I had them clear up at 11 because I think they're going to be really good. Um I'm, I'm giving a lot of credit to USC and Oregon. I think those are, I think those will be good teams based on their schedule this year. I think so too. I just, you know, with USC, I, I know what I watched last year and I understand they did good in the portal and that they've recruited well. And so I guess I'm having a hard time figuring out where to slot them all based on the coaching change. And a oh yeah, the, 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 yeah, the transfers and stuff throws everything out. Like LSU, right. that's another team that, like, yeah. you know. Well, LSU, and then even we talked about Ole Miss. Like, I mean, Ole Miss yeah. had, like, 14, 15, 16 transfers. Like, what are you supposed <laughs> to do with that? Exactly. You have no idea. Which, that's one of the things about this season that I find very exciting is to see this is the first year of – there's a couple things going to happen this year. Well, I'm, I guess I'm kind of – if you guys don't have many more questions about the top eight, because I'll do this every week, so you know we don't have to hash it all out now. Maybe we'll talk about a couple of the subjects of the season that, that, that are going to be a big deal since I've got you know two, two – uh, Well, I do have one more question. I'll let y'all get into that. i got to put the kids to bed. I didn't realize Hey, Mo, thanks for, thanks for being here, man. Good luck this weekend. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. We're, we'll, we'll be we'll, talking. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk. I appreciate you for having me. I'm sorry, bro. I just, I didn't No, 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 no. You're the best, man. Uh, tell the tell the wife and kids I said hi and have a great night. All right, bro. You too. Jeff, how far was Baylor out of your top 12? Baylor was, they were up there. Um, I don't have as much faith in them as everybody else, and I should. I think I'm wrong about Baylor. It's just one of those teams that I'm like, man, and I and I like Baylor, but I, I had Oklahoma State and I had Oklahoma above them. They were, it looks like they were down around. Now, this is at the end of the season. Again, right. not going into Saturday because I know they're a good team. But uh, but if obviously if I've got them losing two games, it's just going to hurt them. Uh, it looks yeah. like they were like, let me screw I got him at like 15 at the end of the season, which I know is low, everybody. Yeah. And it's I think, only because- I think that we're going to learn a lot, and not from a shaking these rankings up standpoint, mm-hmm. but from an eye standpoint and watching one of those outside teams. You know, yeah. they go to Provo in week two. I think yeah. I talked about that a little bit today. Like, I think that, that'll be an interesting one to watch. And, um, you know, we talked about Arkansas Cincy a little bit before the show. I think, like, yeah. I think we're going to get some of these games where you're not necessarily your top eight shakeup early, which it absolutely could. Um, yeah. But I think your like mid tier could shake up just because of how, just because of the landscape of the sport this oh, year. Oh, absolutely! And they're one of those teams that if you tell me they're going to they're, they're going to win out in the Big Twelve, I'm like, I totally believe you. Like it's all yeah. the thing about the Oklahoma State. Like you asked about it before the show. That'll be the last team I kind of talk about here. It's just I really like watching them last year. They were really a good team at some points. I mean, they really looked good. They've got a really good returning quarterback. I, I think um, Gundy is a really good quarterback coach. He's kind of proven that over the years. Um, so they they're another one of these teams that like when they do lose those those weird games. I'm always like, man, you were so close. Like you were so close to being great. Um, I don't think the defense falls off the face of the earth this season because Knowles is gone. That defense was one of the few really actual good defenses in college football last year. And, is it um, Eric Mason that's coaching that defense now? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, and he's brilliant. Yeah, I know he, great he, coach. He's brilliant. He's absolutely brilliant. They'll be fine well, with him. I, I think the same thing. And I just I think this is the year that everything comes together 
defense and they don't lose those trap games. And I think Oklahoma State's going to make a. I really think they're going to make a run at the playoffs. I've been I've said this for about five years in a row, though. Right. You know, it's just they always seem to drop that really close game, and you're like, oh, what are you thinking? But, I, I just think I I we I kind of think the Big Twelve may cannibalize itself a little bit, you know, in a way where we can't put any of those teams in the top. I, eight. I would agree. I because, would agree. You know, I, I was just going over Baylor's schedule just because we had just talked about him, and I was mm-hmm. like, man, I could really see this team going ten and two and eleven and one. But if you told me they went six and six, I can get there. <laughs> you can figure like, it I out. Can defin- I can definitely get. All it takes is a home loss to TCU and a road loss to yeah. Texas. And like, well, you can those- see that. And then, yeah, if Texas is good, that throws a whole thing. It throws in the everything off. Hey, you got Alabama's going to get a good win. They're going to beat Texas. I don't. I don't care how good no, Texas. They're going to beat. Well, and that's one we're saving. Like I think a rare occasion where Saban wants to run it up. Yes, he's going to be like, let's make sure you know. Yeah. But then if te- then if Texas is good, then they're going to knock one of these teams off. So you know, you're you're not going to. I mean, you can see the highest Big Twelve you know team I got's eight, and I know that sounds crazy, but eight at the end of the season isn't that close to the playoffs. Like it looks like it's close, but it's really not because if you know, I, I encourage everybody to go out and rank the top twenty teams, and you start getting down into the teens, and you're like, oh, that team can't make the playoffs. Yeah. That team can't make the playoffs. It's really top heavy. Well, and then you try to do conference type stuff and you get into that eight through 20 range and there's probably six big 12 teams in there right now. Like just, and then you've even got teams where like, you know, a lot of people I've talked to are really high on TCU and really high on Kansas state where those teams are teams. Maybe you have it six and six preseason, but you're like, man, like there's a lot of noise. And if there's a lot of noise about those teams, that means the teams I have in my top 20 could lose to them. Yes. So you just get into these weird spots. And I think that's a weird conference. I I think Florida could uh, might be a good team. Like I, I, I don't really know. Yeah. They might be a good team. Florida State might be good. Like they yeah. maybe they, they maybe they turn it around I think, and like, all I that think talent. Like everybody and everybody keeps assuming on Sunday night that LSU is going to dog walk Florida State. And I'm kind of like, are we sure? Oh, I'm not sure of that at all. No, not at all. Like I think Florida State's going to win, and I like I think those teams are. I will say this about LSU, and we and I meant to circle back to this. The crazy thing about LSU, when we knock LSU and they're bad, the knock on LSU is never, oh, they're not talented. It's right. they're disorganized. They're dysfunctional. And if there's something that Brian Kelly is not, it is disorganized. Kelly, when Kelly has the players, he wins. I, I don't yeah. think maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I don't remember him underachieving at Notre Dame. I thought every year he was one of the best coach teams and one of the best like team that maxed out in college football every year when he was there. He just every year I'm like, "Ah, they're Notre Dame." And then they would just yeah, they would just meticulously beat the snot out of you. I thought they had some recruiting philosophy issues based on just like not being able to compete with like Ohio State and sure. Alabama and Georgia up front. But, you know, then I thought that changed. Like when they played Clemson and Dallas a few years ago, I know Clemson won and it wasn't super close, but I thought Notre Dame played really well. Like I thought they played really well and they were competitive and like they just did kind of what they – it was the Ian Book year when Ian Book was playing quarterback. And, um, you know, I thought they were really competitive. I don't think Notre Dame – I thought Brian Kelly actually evolved as he grew at Notre Dame, which is is why we're having a Jimbo hot seat conversation and not a Brian Kelly hot seat conversation because Brian Kelly evolved and Jimbo hasn't. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's true. And so I think that, you know, I think at LSU, he comes in and now he's got all these guys. Like, they're not – I mean, they had, what, 10 guys drafted last year? Like, they're not not talented, and he got a huge transfer portal hall. It's another one where you could be like, man, you tell me that that team in the SEC West goes 5-7. and seven. I'm like, all right, yeah, I see it. But you tell me they go 10-2, and two, and I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. I, I exactly. I, 
I, I really have faith in Kelly. Um, again, I, I can't, I, I can't stand to really like listen to him talk or a lot the of the BS accent thing really threw me. That off. was a mess. Yeah. He, he, he's a, but as far as like his teams on the field, I'm like, man, they were good. They were yeah. really good year in and year out. Um, he, he got, I don't think Notre Dame could have asked for anything more in those years that he was there than, than they got. Like nobody else's, nope. like you say, with the quote unquote limitations of that school, nobody else is doing any better than what he did. He's not, he, he, he wasn't going to steal those playoff games. He wasn't going to steal that national championship, you know. Well, but, and the underrated thing he did for Notre Dame is he left the infrastructure of that program in such a place that the man coming in behind him, which now is Marcus, very Freeman, good point position where he can absolutely succeed and when a coach moves on that's really what you ask for more than anything else is leave the program in a place where the next guy can come in and pick up where you left off yeah like like ohio state i mean that was the smoothest transition is about as smooth a transition as you're ever going to see as as far as you know these big time teams like there was no you know they they had a he wasn't i know the whole you know born on third base thing but there was some truth to that like yeah but he was there during it so that's a little different than most guys you know, coming off of the, you know, of a different program, you know, day was there and was part of the reason the program was, was big, but it's still a lot of easier when you take over and you're ready to, you know, hit the ground running rather than, you know, some of the, especially if you're bringing in a new philosophy and stuff and you're like, none of these players match um, this, that's what, you know, Michigan made the mistake for years. They would get a, go get a coach, but they would go get a coach that was different than the coach they had because they thought that's what they needed. But the problem was none of the players fit the scheme. And so then they wasted three years and then there was, you know, the transfer portal wasn't like it was back then. And, you know, but so that's why I think teams like Georgia and Utah are going to be so good this year is just because of the fact that, yeah. you know, like, I mean, the players schematically are going to fit and we can say what we want about Stetson Bennett, but the guy, the guy fits that scheme to a T and, good- and he made throws like he made throws in the yeah. national championship game last year. Like, I think, I mean, and I would have to go back and look for sure, but if I remember right, like Alabama scored a touchdown and either took the lead or got back, cut it back to one possession and he came back and they scored in like three plays. Oh, he went right down the field. They, yeah, yeah, he marched. And yeah. like, and I was like, so I think we did this thing early because quite honestly, it was fair. Early in his career, he was not really very talented at all. But, you know, he's developed into being not only competent at quarterback, but he has the ability to go win you a game. Yeah. And so we do a lot of that with Stetson Bennett. And I think it's almost just become cliche and people don't actually want don't actually watch him play. Yeah. Because there's so many games on on Saturdays that you just kind of tune Georgia out because right. because of their schedule. And you, you look know, at their you look you know you might look at these stats and they don't look like say a you know a CJ Stroud who puts up right. If in both cases are true, if you don't watch them, you have no idea what the what the right. game was about. You know. And so I think that's where you get the Stetson Bennett thing. And then, like, Utah will be the same way. They're going to be really physical. I think that defense is going to be nasty this year. Their defense, I mean, they are so physical, uh, which is rare. There's just not a lot of teams like that. And they, I mean, they catch, especially catching, like, like for instance, the bowl game. I don't put a lot in bowl games. So I'm not the Ohio State fan that is leapfrogging everything off of a Rose Bowl last year. It's like, okay, we're fixed now, like, it's just an exhibition game, but Basically, the one yeah. thing Utah did was came out and was physical and tough, and it was like, oh, holy shit! Like these guys are, yeah. these guys are good, and they did it. They did it to Oregon. What they did to Oregon was impressive. Like the high state thing, yeah. that was a that was just a bull. Well, they did it to them twice. If I remember twice. right, I mean twice. that second one was a mauling. Like Oregon yeah. wanted, couldn't wait to get off of the field. 
you know so no and they honestly like you like i kind of felt like after the first time and then they went to a conference championship it almost felt like oregon just kind of drugged themselves in there and knew they didn't have what it took oh because yeah Utah was going to come in and like and that's kind of so like we talked about usc and you mentioned they just missed it and that's my only concern is like you know, I don't know how well Dan Lanning will fare at Oregon as a head coach, but between Whittingham and Dan Lanning, I kind of had trust that those teams, and with what Cristobal left, those teams are going to be really physical in the trenches. Yeah. And I just think historically with Lincoln Riley teams and the fact that he hasn't been able to recruit his own players in there really yet, I think that that kind of concerns me just from a stance of where if USC is going to have to go play both those teams away from home, which I think they do, and – I know they play Utah away from home. If you're going to have to go to those places and you're already before you get on the field conceding the line of scrimmage. Yeah. That's just like that. That's kind of where I'm like, all right, that's really tough. Or no, so USC doesn't play Oregon in the regular season, but they play Notre Dame, but that's the same problem, you know? Yeah. So that's my only concern there. But again, I mean, they have a generational quarterback that can make up. For that's a lot the, of it, it's a huge, picture. yeah, huge factor. It's crazy that, that um you know how that and then I saw an interesting story is the two former USC quarterbacks are playing each other this yep. week in Pitt and West Virginia and, which shout out to college football for we get the backyard brawl I don't know how much probably doesn't mean that much to you Walker you know in your neck of the woods that's a huge game like in oh I know Ohio, but I understand river like area I, yeah I'm cultured enough to where I understand it yeah. like I mean to me well I care but no but am I going to watch it Yes. And so, you know, you get all sorts of storylines there between just the program rivalry. You know, there's some player rivalry where they're going to go back and forth with each other. And so, I, you know, I'm sure they'll shake hands after the game, but there's likely some bad blood. And those teams, like, like, they really, like, you know, like, again, I just live in the Ohio River region, but they they really dislike each other. I mean, it's not, not quite like it was, you know, because of just like, you know the way conferences and stuff have changed over the years, but boy, they that that is that is a great, great opening night game. I mean, you get opening night at two different points. You'll be able to split screen that, and then like a, a high level Big Ten football game it's on a Thursday night, which is exactly what I think that's the best thing for the sport because those games are going to get massive ratings, and I don't think that a single top twenty five team is playing. No, that's a good point. And it's and it's and Friday is the same way. Lots of good games. You know, you got a Sunday night game. The Saturday, I, I think this is I don't even think it's close. I'll just say it's the best opening weekend in a while in yeah. football history because we've we've never they usually give us the one Thursday night Big Ten game. That's been a few years now. Mm-hmm. And then maybe a, some Friday games on the fringe. But these are big time games. I mean, that, that people want, like you say, like eyeballs will watch they'll they'll have an interest in it and then saturday is a great lineup and then you know you got your sunday night game it's i i I just can't wait man and sunday and even sunday you know even if those teams bottle out you know because we talked about the floors and ceilings with those two teams uh being lsu and florida state and their brands are so massive that nobody cares the people are going to watch because lsu football is playing florida state football in a prime (laughs) absolute and it is that that's a huge deal well (laughs) i mean we're talking about they you know these teams have you know college football like forgets every five seconds but like these teams have won national titles in the last decade like these are big time programs you know the last three coaches at lsu have all won (laughs) national championships like that's how that's how good that program is that there are a weird program as far as the amount like how the amount of great teams and the amount of average teams, what a weird mix 
of uh, of, of LSU. Ed Orgeron won a national championship. At Not just won one. I mean, steamrolled a one. Like, just didn't even like hesitate. Didn't even face competition wow. outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, on the way to the national. One of the great seasons of all time, and he, he did gra- absolutely none of it. I'm pretty <laughs> apparently sure. not. not apparently. I had I had no idea. It, it, what a that was wild. But it's it's a, yeah, I got a great weekend coming up. So a couple before we get out of here, real quick. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to let you go without a few a few questions. Like one of the big things I'm watching, you've already talked about some of the games and stuff you're watching. One of the big like overall topics I'm watching is this is the this is the first year to where we're talking about major NIL deals. That's been the conversation all summers, these NIL deals. These kids, I, I call them kids because I'm old, not because I'm disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> these players going to you know, schools based on their NIL deals and all these things. We had the SEC stuff with Saban and uh, Fisher in the summer, all this stuff going on. So this would be the first time that we're watching these guys now and they have a, it's not fair, but they got a price tag on them. So like, we know like hey, this quarterback's driving, you know, a Bentley or whatever because of this deal. And he just had two interceptions. So it's the first time in college football history that we're really going to scrutinize the play on the field. And then, then we're going to associate it with the amount of money that they're making in an NIL deal. And that's not fair. It's not right. It's none of our business, but it's going to happen. I think that's one of the most fascinating storylines of the college football season. Uh, how do you feel about all this? I mean, you're more, much more tuned into this than I am. So, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And then I think like, you know, and I hate putting names on it because just, but like specific instance, like, you know, when Quinn Ewers left Ohio state, to go that's, to a, that's the number one. And so, person. Yeah, and so like we got, you know, and it's not fair to the kid that the numbers no. were leaked. No, it's not. And the pictures of his car were leaked and all that stuff. Like that's not his fault. But by the same token, in the last three to four weeks, every every single media member that is was covering Texas football, whether it was message board, whether it was newspaper, they were like, guys, Hudson Card is going to start at quarterback for Texas. And now <laughs> here we are. Sark comes out, I guess, what, now two, three days ago. I guess it was maybe Friday, you know, and Quinn Ewers is going to start. And so now I think we're running into my the most fascinating thing for me to watch is when schools or boosters have made financial commitments to players. If you are sitting a better player due to the fact yep. that your starter is making a bunch of money, at what point does the coach have to pull said player? Or like, how do you balance that and how do you make those decisions? Because if you pull, like, we'll say yours, if yours for some reason got sat down and wasn't successful to start the year, does the booster, like, pull his support because nope. his multi-million dollar investment or whatever is now not playing and he's getting no return on investment? Yep. Like, that's the most fascinating. Th- I think it's by far the most fascinating part of the season coming up. Non-football, like, non-football yeah. part of well, it. Well, and it is and it isn't football. Like, it's kind of both. Yeah. And so – that's what's fascinating to me. And like, and it goes way beyond just Quinn Ewers. Like there's a ton of guys. Yeah. That's just, that's just an easy name. But that's an easy, that's an easy one where you can go and look at it. Like, I mean, I think one local media outlet in Austin had it firmed down enough within that program, like sources, quote unquote, to where he he was like, I mean, they reported it and wrote about it, that Hudson card was going to start. And then, and then Sark came out after the fact and was like, actually no Quinn Ewers is going to start. And so, 
and it caught apparently that entire program by like wait what oh and wow so, and so that's why i'm kind of like now like and we don't know that it's because of the money maybe you know no, there's definitely the there is definitely odds or there is definitely a possibility that that reporter and that the media contingency in austin was just they were just misinformed and they had just not done a good job and gotten reliable information but because of the way we consume football and the way we consume those types of things and the way we watch sports, we are going to automatically go yep. there mentally and Every, start watching him with that, with that viewpoint. It's no different than Ohio state. These guys are, you know, we, I see them all summer. They're in the car commercials. They're, you know, Jack Sawyer is driving around a new pickup truck every month. He gives up a, you know, he gets ra- He gets bulldozed and gives up a touchdown against Notre Dame. There's a certain amount of, the fan base that's going to be like, oh yeah, well, it must be nice. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. if he was more worried about practicing than driving trucks, none of it's fair. And most of it's not correct, but it's still going to be a giant storyline or, you know, you got these little things that we're probably never going to hear about. And for years later, you know, I don't know if you got a, there's going to be a backup, not a backup, but a, a more unknown wide receiver on a team. And he's going to be having a great season. And the guy starting across the field is going to be getting $500,000 from a pizza company. And that, that guy is going to be like, well, that, this isn't right. You know what I mean? Like that is just the nature of human beings. Um, and I'm not here to say like, don't, you know, don't have the NIL or anything. I'm just bringing up the natural issues that are going to occur last season. I think we kind of skated by, I, we will not this season. It will be talked yeah. about, Absolutely. Constantly. The transfer portal, the same thing. Yep, absolutely. And like, so like, I think an under the radar one, and I think like, this is another thing I'm watching. I'm like, so I'll use Kentucky as an example mm-hmm. here. You have Will Levis, who's being hyped as potential first round pick, all of these things. He's got NIL deals with the thoroughbred industry in Kentucky, which you know from that area is oh, a boy. lucrative deal. And then he's got car commercials, all this other stuff. I'm interested to watch schools like that if Levis, who lost four of his top five receivers, by the way, and doesn't have a receiver coming back who had more than 150 yards, and they're replacing three starting offensive linemen, and their running back is suspended four games. So if he has the a SEC. Rough start the year in the SEC. <laughs> so if you if he has a rough start to the year, given the circumstances around him, I want to see how fan bases react around like Kentucky, where it's like, well, you know, why are we not paying the next great point guard? You know, schools like that where they prioritize other sports. And so, like, I'm interested to watch that aspect of it, too, from college football, where fans want their teams to be competitive in NIL so that they can be more competitive on the football field. But then when their teams do that and the players don't perform, I want to see if they still want to be competitive in football and just to, like, see where that ends up. And and that's why I think this is going, you know, me and Jay Stevens talk about a lot. That's why I think this, this, the NIL stuff will, will, uh, playing out a little bit over the next few years because of what you're saying. The fact of the matter is all the ones that got the big deals that they talked about, all of them aren't going to be awesome. Like that's just the fact, especially the quarterbacks, like quarterbacks struggle sometimes, you know, it's just how it is. They get benched. They don't make it. And just what you're saying, like that's when, and fans will, I'm not generalizing all fans, but there's a lot of fans who can't separate it's not the schools paying them. It's these sponsors. They don't look at it that way. They essentially look at it. These are, we paid, this guy's salary is this, just like pro sports. 
Yep. And why is he not performing on the field? Even though that's not what it is, that is going to be the storylines. Well, and unless you think, well, and then with the other thing, if you really kind of want to like project into the future, my like, so my thing is, and I'll use, I'll, like, I'll use Jaden Rashada, who was like a five star quarterback this year, class of 23. He committed to Florida or no, he committed to Miami. So if he goes to Miami and doesn't start as a freshman after accepting however many millions, right. What happens when he gets in the transfer portal? Right. That that's another one. And then the and how are these contracts wrote? I mean, these are contracts. Um yeah. it is it, it's 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 really fascinating. Like it's going to be like all the business side of it, you're gonna find out a lot of stuff this year. Well, uh, and how patient can boosters be when the when the eighteen year old senior from St. John Bosco isn't starting as a true freshman and you yeah. gave him all this money. Yeah. Like, can you be patient enough to let your school develop them? Or are you just going to pull your support because he's not playing right? And away? then how many of these boosters, like there's a lot of these boosters that I'm sure I'm insinuating that somebody from the team is like, this is who you should probably give your money to so we can get them. And they may have never even heard of the player. So then all of a sudden they're going to be like, all they're going to know is a, you know, a player's name. And they're going to be like, he's not on the field. Where did my money go? There's going to be questions like that to answer. Because your boosters, I'm and I'm almost certain this is true. I think a lot of the boosters that write these checks love their schools and understand what football does for universities, but they don't necessarily understand how the game works. Yeah. So they cut the checks and they expect immediate results, but they don't understand that it's almost like buying a stock. Like yeah. you almost have to sit on it and wait and say, it's okay, two like, years. I mean, yeah, it's like give years. it a, give it two years. And then if that doesn't work, then we can have the conversation. But as a true freshman, 18 year old, and this kid just signed with Alabama. Well, okay. You need to understand that your 18 year old yeah. stock, uh, like, you know, essentially your 18 year old stock is not going to come in and start at nose tackle at Alabama and have right. 13 sacks in year one. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. The transfer, I think all the transfers, you know, that happened last year, I'm fascinated to see how they work out, especially, um, you know, one, like uh, a great one that I want to watch. I want to see how uh, Rattler handles this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about a guy who came in the last year, possibly you know rumored to be maybe the number one pick in the nfl draft like right now he's projected to be on nfl team and it goes from that to transfer into a completely different less talked about team not that i mean south carolina is a fine program but they're he's not in the position he was going in the last year i really want to see how guys like that handle handle their situation handle the transfer portal uh, you know, I think some of them, it could be really good for them. Uh, we talked so. about the two kids from USC. I think it could be good for both of them. I uh, think it'll be great for Rattler. Uh, me too. I think Rattler I think will be, be better great. in a year from now. I think Rattler's in a better position than he is right now. You know, I, uh, I think we expected to watch him, you know, this time of year, we were expecting to watch him finish his third preseason game playing for like right? or something. <laughs> right. And, but I honestly think Rattler – a, I think he got a bad rap at Oklahoma, yeah. and I also, th- and I think a lot of that was due to the Netflix show. Like, I think a lot of that we watched this high school kid. They do, they do hold that over their heads. I don't even wa- I don't watch the show, but I know what you're talking yeah. about because I remember uh, Tate Martell had sort of the same stuff yeah. coming in of like yeah. it, it was like they couldn't escape that. Well, I know, and so like you know, and we've had this conversation some in our group chat, like you know, like. Rattler gets this label as a bad teammate and a non-leader. And then it's like, okay, but like, can you tell me when that happened at Oklahoma? And it's like, well, you know, 
And I'm like, well, you know, we don't talk about – and I always cite the COVID season, or maybe it was either the season before COVID or COVID. You know, Oklahoma started like one and two, lost on the road to Iowa State mm-hmm. with Rattler, at quarterback. That team kind of rallied right there and didn't or didn't play another game like within a touchdown for the rest of the year. They just absolutely beat the brakes mm-hmm. off of everybody for the remainder of the season. Yes, I remember that because I said at the end of that year, they I were said that Oklahoma was a I was I wound up being wrong. I think I think well, I think it might have been the same year that the 2000 was that the 2019. Anyway, I said at the end of that year, Oklahoma no, they made it 19 because okay, LSU beat them yes, by correct, correct. So I said that Oklahoma was a better team than one of the playoff teams. I can't remember if oh, I yeah, said it was, were. It, but because of the two early losses, which is don't even get me started on how much a college football still holds. I know we want to see the wins, and that's another thing about this transfer stuff. You're going to have teams that slip up. And at the end of the year, are really good, are really good, but they're not going to function till late. Um, That's why a team like Utah has a better shot than maybe a more talented team because these teams are just they're going to give. And that Oklahoma season was a perfect example. At the end of that year, they were rolling. Is that the year? The day is that the day destroy? They went to the Cotton Bowl and played like Florida or something like that, and they beat them like like they beat them. That's right. It was it was the Kyle Trask year when and they killed like they absolutely killed them, murdered them. Yeah. And that's why you know Rattler got a lot of those labels at Oklahoma really early. And then when you go back and actually dig into what happened to like in his career not even and i'm not talking about like talking to people i'm just talking about the stuff that we as the general public can view like well his numbers were really good and it's like well but he had lincoln riley okay well that's not his fault right b and then b it's like well he's not a leader and he's a bad teammate and it's like well you know he had the one incident when he got benched against texas where he kind of walked off the field a little early and like yes yeah that's right and he had to come back but i'll tell you what and I and I com- I kind of made the comp like when Kelly Bryant got benched at Clemson and did the same thing. He just got in the portal and left. Yeah, like Rattler stuck it out and stayed in the quarterback room, and even knowing that he was not going to play football for Oklahoma ever again. Yeah, he stuck it out. He went through the meetings. Lincoln Riley talked about it. Caleb Williams talked about it publicly, where they were like, "Yeah, Rattler's helping Caleb see things that he doesn't understand how to see. Like he's trying to help the team and make them better." Yeah. But because we go on, you know, Netflix or whatever and watch this show, it's like we labeled him so early. And it's his look. He has a look like of yeah. somebody that isn't like, you know, he, he just he just has the look of somebody that's labeled as like maybe he doesn't take it serious or he's too worried about this. As opposed to like if a kid's got like a crew cut, and looks like an army ranger, we assume that he's a great leader. We have no idea. No, I mean, I'm sure that when we get to year two at Texas, I'm sure we will hear about how Arch Manning is just the absolute locker room. Oh, just, yeah, yeah. And just so, a glue guy. A glue I know. Guy. And and so with Rattler, like, I think the thing we forget about is that people evolve. They are human beings and yeah. they're kids going through one of the toughest stages of their lives. You know, you're adjusting to, especially college football players, just so much incredible change all the time. You lose coaches, you lose teammates, you lose friends. You know, you may transfer and have to change environments. You lose tough games. You have to deal with class and actual get an education. You're dealing with a kid. You're dealing with a kid like Rattler, who, you know, ha- was dealing with the fact that he wasn't going to be, you know, a mega millionaire. Like he had to. Yeah. Like he realized the writing was on the wall halfway through that season, and he couldn't. Like that's got to be a shock. Like I don't care. Right. Like I don't care who you are. If you're projected to be, you know, a, a 
a first round NFL pick. And then now you see that you got to play another year of college football somewhere else. That is a giant something to deal with and, and, but not let it. And that's why I don't hold the Texas thing over his head as much because like, I like I'll ask people all the time. I'll be like, you know, imagine being the projected number one overall pick and potentially seeing your entire NFL future slip away in a matter of a month, Yeah, a month, just slowly slip out of your own grasp. And that's why I think the South Carolina thing is going to be so good for him because I think this year he's just going to be able to play football. I really think that it was it was a it was a good choice, and I think he's going to be good. I think he's yeah. going to have a good season. He's probably going to upset somebody along the way. Yeah. Um. And they he's played going Georgia to, in week two, man. Week, week oh two, boy. they played Georgia, and it's in Columbia. And it's he is ball. going to be more mature because he's an older guy. It's not about whether he was immature. It's just yeah. you get older and like you're like, oh, okay, and. You know, when well, he and Beamer have passed, you know, relationships from where they were at Oklahoma together, Rattler brought his favorite tight end with him from Oklahoma over yeah. to South Carolina. Like he had, there's some familiarity with people there. And it's funny, you know, all these teammate labels and all this stuff. Have we heard a bad word about Spencer Rattler since the moment he enrolled no. in South Carolina? Not a single word. All no. the only thing we did about Rattler was he did the goofy TikTok and everybody was all upset about it. And I was like, who cares? He's a kid. Yeah. People care about too much of that stuff that, i know and that, so that's for sure. i think he's going to be able to just play football this year and i'm cheering for him like i'm pulling for him i think yeah, me too yeah and so i th- I'm, i hope he's really successful i think you're right i think they will upset someone again another sec team that could win nine games because Ex- it's exactly exactly i mean you're taking a you know talented teams and you give them one of these quarterbacks anything can happen like if you got a quarter yeah. and this guy's gonna know how to win um will must can't beat georgia with a lot less yeah and we're like, I mean, they've got, and anybody I've talked to over in that area of the country says Shane Beamer is going to work. Like that is going, it may take a while, but that is going to work. They're going to awesome. be good again. And I so, like it when they're good. That's, I, I do that's too. A, that's it's a, a good that's school. A, yeah. I've been, I've been now and actually taken a game there in person. And it's like, it's a lot of fun. You do the sandstorm thing and it gets really loud and it's a hard place to play. Now, when I went, they lost 49 to three. So it wasn't hard for long, but, (laughs) but it was, um, yeah, I mean, it's an awesome, it's an awesome town, awesome school. I like, that's a school that you want to see be good. And, um, and again, like, I mean, they have talent, they're an sec school. They have, you know, their boosters have resources. They're giving an IL to guys and recruiting well. And, so they're like storylines like that are ones that are that make this season so interesting. I think there's so many of those uh, just across the board. I Every think game, it's the future of the sport storyline yeah. more than it is though. Are they going to win the national championship? And I think people like you and I who kind of understand where things are going, yeah, are as interested in that as we are in which of the three teams up top won the national title. A hundred percent. And and I and that's what I you know, meant to say earlier when Mo was on here. I think what we've I, I hear so much about we want the bowl games to matter again. First of all, they never mattered. They never. mattered to you and they matter to fans. Yeah. You know, that I, I understand what you think you mean. They weren't as big a deal as people thought. They just now that players step out and stuff because of the NFL, it's perceived that all this like they never really mattered that much but i think the early season games now are have replaced that with like oh my goodness georgia oregon on you know yeah on opening is is ginormous i mean i'm telling you i i've thought and i've thought about this outside of probably uh michigan coming to columbus back in 06 for the quote-unquote game of the century which i think took a hit after we realized that neither one of those teams were going to win the national title great game though 
this is the biggest game that I can think of in Ohio Stadium history as far as like the pageantry of it and absolutely just yeah. everything about it. Like it, it's, I mean the gold it, helmets, the white jerseys that all run onto the just field. Like everything is perfect. And I'm like, this is week one. Um North yeah. Carolina going to App State, biggest game in, in at in at team's North history. Carolina. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like you know, so I think the early season, especially this opening weekend, uh, the opening couple weekends, is that's my bowl season. So I guess if uh, yeah. you know that's what replaces like caring about like the Rose Bowl, these are yeah. the games that I want to see. Well, and that's why, like, I mean, we had I had the conversation a lot around Oxford last year. Is like you know, you know, Matt Corral is one of the best players Ole Miss has had in a long time. They won ten games. That does not mean that the Sugar Bowl mattered. The Sugar Bowl mattered in 1960. The Sugar Bowl does not matter. Yeah. You know, it's it, if you had won, fantastic. You get a trophy. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the yeah. There's yeah. it's it's not no, it's also not an embarrassment. Win. Like you should celebrate the yep. win. You've earned it. You've done something well. You've beat another good team that you've prepared weeks for. But from a and it and it helps program momentum, which is a recruiting tool. So. That's that is where bowl games matter. Is yeah, that's true. Go, you want to go and exhibit more your program culture because you are likely on national television and people are watching. But from an actual win loss standpoint, like if yeah. you lose thirty eight to thirty five instead of winning thirty eight to thirty five, <laughs> what's the difference? Nobody cares, right? Yeah. The only difference is you don't get to take the trophy home. But the players at this point are still all taking home the free PS five that the bowl game is giving them. Yeah. So, they got yeah, I have no, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I should, I should be clear. I, I'm, I'm all for the players caring and enjoying it and all that. Absolutely. I'm, when I say that, when I say it doesn't matter, it, it sounds like I'm disrespectful, but I just mean that, like, just like you said, it, I don't hold it against you if you win or hold it against you if you lose. And I don't, I don't bump you way up if you win. It's just, no, uh, I'm also all for bowl games trying to give players incentives to play and make the game. Yeah. Better. I think that when well, also like the guys who are going to be the, you know, 53 to 85 on the roster, like those trips are the trips that they're on the it's team. Huge. Like it's, it's everything they've dreamed of. So like, I think it's a lot of, I think it's great for the program, but the, you're correct. Like the results of the game do not actually. Matter. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put a lot on it. Um, but it, you know, it's it's a full. Ole Miss lost the Sugar Bowl last year, and I went to bed and I was like, cool, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they had a great season. So real quick, before you get out of here, um, Ole Miss. I don't know much about them this year. I, I know they're ranked. I'm, I'm sure that they're good. Who's uh? Give me a quick rundown. Like who's the quarterback? Uh, what's your, and what's your prognostication? I know you'll be honest about it. Yeah. So I mean, it, they listed or on the depth chart and didn't announce a starter at quarterback today. But everything that I've heard around here is that Jackson Dart, the USC transfer, is going. To oh, okay. Quarterback. He's going to start. Um, we may see both early, but Jackson Dart. They Jackson Dart's more of an SEC name anyway. I mean, they, that's, yeah, that's just right. perfect. They scrimmaged on Saturday, and the only quarterback that took reps with the ones was Jackson Dart. So take from that what you will. And, and how do you feel about that real quick? So I think that people have to understand Lane Kiffin and understand that when he speaks to you, he's often telling you the truth and that there is often he's often sending messages. He's now told us four to five times over the course of the offseason that they are going to take a step back at quarterback. And that's expected, right? Because you're starting a 19-year-old kid who has played four meaningful football games yeah, as opposed to a guy who started and played in the SEC for three seasons yeah, coming into last year. So I think you have to account for that. They're going to take a step back at quarterback. But this is 
I would argue they have the best running back room in the SEC and one of the best in the country. Wow. I, you know, they bring in Zach Evans from TCU, who was five star recruit out of Houston, went to TCU, averaged like eight and a half yards per carry there, and was just severely underutilized. And then, you know, the big programs eventually came knocking when he hit the portal. And Ole Miss ended up lucky enough to grab him. They grabbed SMU starting running back, who also averaged north of six, I think, six yards a carry. Uh, they have, and then they have two, two more four star running backs. Uh, one true freshman who may get 15 carries a game, like right out the gate. And then another guy that's a sophomore that they still really like, but they have so many good backs that you just don't really know where he's going to fit. So offensive line is going to be really good. Lots of veterans, a lot of guys back from last year, they grabbed a transfer tackle, um, which is big. Like they'll actually have depth up front, which they haven't had in years. Uh, And then defensively, I think it's, you know they're gonna they're gonna play a three two six this year for the most part, which is interesting because a lot of college teams don't do that. They rush the traditional four and play the four two five four three stuff. But I think you know I'll be interested to watch because I think Ole Miss has one of the most talented secondaries in the conference too. I know last year that was the big surprise with me with Ole Miss when they were when they were really you know becoming like you know was starting to gain momentum and everybody was really starting to yeah. put eyeballs on them. That was what jumped out to me. I was like, wait a minute, this defense. Like I, you know, I tuned in for the Matt Corral show. This defense was good. They were physical. Um, you know, they were speedy. Of course, when they wear the light blues, I'm sorry, man, or powder blues, I'm, yeah. whatever you guys, whatever that color is, it's everybody looks amazing. I think I, I would yeah. look like a four three. I think I would look like I run a four three in those things. The yeah, and the well, and then like I mean, everybody forgets. Everybody is that does they're losing Matt Corral, but I'd argue the most impactful player they're losing was they lost All American edge rusher Sam Williams. Like, I mean, he got drafted by the Cowboys in the second round and uh, I've done the thing. Like, I mean, he had better, a better statistical year last year than Aiden Hutchinson. And you don't have to to convince me of it. Yeah. And like, I mean, when you're rushing out of a three man rush and you put up those kinds of numbers in the sec, like, and you lose that guy, it's going to be tough to replace him. They've, I think that they, I think that they think within the program that they've done a good job at a developing guys that were highly sought after and highly, highly recruited, and then they think they have more bodies. They think that they're going to be more than one guy up front this year. And so as opposed to 13 and a half sacks from one guy, they're going to get six from everybody and be able to be a little bit better. Um, you know, I think just there's so many moving parts and so many questions that, you know, it's another one of those teams with a low floor and a high ceiling. I would put them around eight and four. I could get them to 10 and two, but I just think they have to go to Arkansas. They have to go to LSU. They're going to lose to Alabama. They have to go to A&M. I think, and then you have the rivalry game, which is always a toss up. Um, and you're trying to, and you're trying to, you know, get a young quarterback through this. I mean, that yeah. that's, a, that's. And we talked about this early, how they start with really the only co- like competitive game they play in before Halloween is against Kentucky at home, and I think that'll be big because if he can get comfortable and the offense can get some, you know, some rhythm and some consistency in those games where they're going to get reps against significantly less talented teams then I think we may see their ceiling towards the end of the year. But again, I'm just not sure that their ceiling is a ton different from teams like Arkansas, teams like Texas A&M, definitely lower than Alabama. And I don't know that it's much different than LSU. And all th- and the three of the four teams I mentioned there, they have to play on the road and then they host Alabama. But Alabama's Alabama. Like, you're going to lose that game. And that's – and, you know, just like I know, everybody – 
you know, especially up here in Big Ten country, which I'm not a Big Ten fan. I'm an high state fan. I've told I say that every show, right. just so everybody's clear <laughs> that yeah. I can't stand the Big Ten. Um, and that's that's the other side of you know, and this is that's a lot of this is why I want expanded playoffs and some things to change because I don't like punishing good teams down there in the SEC that beat up on each other all year. There's a and and when so many people look at the score, you know, the score at the end of the game on Sports Center and they're like, ah, that team's six and three or whatever, but they have oh, no yeah. idea how good they are. Um, I want to I want to get past that because then I think once we can get past that, we can start getting some better early season matchups. We can get, you know, I want to get Ole Miss to come up and play in Wisconsin. I want to get Wisconsin to go to LSU. Like we can start getting this if we just let go of this undefeated yeah. notion. And that's why I'm glad like Ole Miss is trying to do some of that. Like Ole Miss has a home and home scheduled and like not like in 2030. This is like 24, I think. Like they have a home and home scheduled with USC. With that's Lane, great. Yeah, with like Lane Kiffin at the helm going yeah. back to LA. Are you kidding me? Sign me up. Yeah, um, that's what I mean. Mix it up. Like get these yeah. get these teams moving. I think the Penn I think the Penn State Auburn home well, and home is fantastic. one of the is one of the best things that you know we've had in a long time because it's like, man, just get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Well, like LSU LSU came and played Wisconsin, like in Green Bay, right? Like they came and played like up north. Like I don't I, know that one. I think I know I think LSU and Wisconsin played a few years ago. Where they uh, up, up north? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I think somebody came. I in remember play. them playing. You're right. I do remember them playing. Um, yeah. But no point being so. And I think also like a misconception a lot of times is that SEC teams or SEC fans cheer for other SEC teams because they talk about how good the conference is all the time, and we never shut up about it. The way I view it is when I talk about it, it's more of a scream for help to expand the playoff because my team has no chance I'm of getting you. in unless you expand it because we're going to lose three games because the conference is so especially bad. frustrating, especially frustrating for a team like an old miss or yeah. whoever in Arkansas, or whatever, Arkansas, when you're watching, when you're, you, when you're watching what Cincinnati did last year, it's got to yeah. make you want to pull your hair out. Yeah. Uh, no, no offense to Cincinnati, but their path is easier, significantly easier. I mean, it's just, that's just the facts. And, and that, and I don't care what anybody says that loss column is, matters so much in college football it's hard to get by and that's the big thing i think when you hear about sec crowing about conference strength i think the majority now are almost screaming for help like like if you're a mississippi state fan like the best team you have all time may go 10 and 2 and if they do that's worth nothing it's crazy as opposed to nothing right now yeah and so i mean the the dak prescott team um at Mississippi State in 2014, went 10 and 2. They lost to Alabama and Tuscaloosa, and then they lost a close rivalry game on the road yeah. to a top 10 Ole Miss team. Yeah. And they went and played in the Orange Bowl, and it did not matter. Yeah. They were number, weren't they? Didn't it? Am I wrong? They were number one for like a week, right? Oh, no. It was like they were number one for like six weeks. Was it that long? Okay. I, I there forgot. was a, they did the whole Sports Illustrated cover thing That's where they did the Mississippi Mayhem. Mississippi. Because because Ole Miss beat Alabama yes. and Oxford, and then Mississippi State beat Auburn, who was – I don't remember if they were fresh off of – they were fresh off the national championship loss to Jameis and Florida State the yep. year before. So they were super highly ranked and everything, and Mississippi State beat them in a game that Mississippi State historically loses like 11 times out of 10. Yeah, And so they did that whole deal, and then both teams kept winning, and then eventually, you know, I think Mississippi State lost like 25 to nothing to Alabama – and then Ole Miss, uh, and then Ole Miss hung around for a while and played. They were number three, and number four Auburn came to Oxford, 
And that was the game where Laquan Treadwell. I was getting ready. And that was the broken leg game, right? And then Ole Miss went to Arkansas the next week and lost by 30, which, I mean, obviously, I mean, God, the devastation from the week before. It was. Yeah, they didn't. Um, Yeah. Well, it was their second loss. Um, they, uh, it was their second loss. Like it was a season-ending loss. When you really look at the reality of things from yeah. a college football standpoint, it was a season-ending loss because they had also lost a couple weeks prior <laughs> in a ten to seven loss to LSU in Death Valley. Yeah. Um, where I think LSU's backup left tackle caught a touchdown. So. <laughs> It was classic. It, it very. It was a Wisconsin Iowa. So that was was that still less miles, right? Yeah. If a tackle's catching a touchdown, that's less. I yeah, know it was. It was. It was less. And um, and Ole Miss had the ball inside inside field goal range, and the guy that was the kicker on that Ole Miss team was the best one they've ever had. Like it was a guy he runs out from fifty three and in, and you're just like we're good. And so. Ole Miss had a gunslinger named Bo Wallace that year. Oh, I, I, he, I remember Bo. And he rolled out left because Hugh Freeze had basically called a play where I was like, we're going to throw a quick out route and get out of bounds just to make this an easier kick. And Bo saw the out route, which was wide open, and he was like, nah, I'm good. And he threw it into double coverage in the end zone because he wanted to win the game, and then LSU caught it and came down. And I'll never forget, like, I think there's a picture where Hugh Freeze is literally just, like, on his knees staring at the ground, like, what yeah. the hell? <laughs> yeah, Bo would put some gray hairs on his head, but he was – he was a, that's a classic. Bo, yeah, both highs head. delivered some of the greatest moments in this program's recent history, and his lows delivered some of the head scratching that <laughs> make you wonder what could have been. Yeah. All right, man. Um, I, I appreciate all your time tonight. It was great to catch up with you. This was basically turned into my college football preview, which I couldn't be happier. I, this went Absolutely. great. Um, you know, I, again, I want to thank you. Good luck to you know your your old Miss squad on the season. Um, you know, again, uh, the the more they wear the powder blues, the better. Uh, yeah, on they're gonna. I will say they're gonna they're gonna switch some uniform stuff up this year. They're working on some stuff. It's gonna be a little bit out there, so we'll see how it goes over. Hey, well, whatever. I, I, I'm yeah. giving them all the benefit of the doubt in the world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks to thanks to uh, Mo Murphy who was on earlier from Up in Flames. Um, he had to put the kids to bed, but he you know he was here for most of the show. Um, again, go check out Off the Ball Network for all the stuff we got going on. Football season's here. This is game week. I'm Jeff from Jeff Needs Sports. Um, enjoy the games, everybody. Uh, we appreciate you being here, and we'll, we will see you soon. <laughs>